Arcana Spirits podcast, a boozy dive into mythology, legends, and folklore. Every week we pour a drink and learn about a new story from around the world. I'm Amanda. And I'm Julia. And this is episode 325, all about Balder and his gate. Is that true? Is that anything? <laughs> that is something. We'll, we'll talk about that at the end. It's very... Great reference. Do you know anything about Balder besides that? Do I get do I get the the uh, video game points? No, I know nothing about Balder. Okay. Well, Amanda, it's not like totally surprising that you don't know a ton about Balder because Balder is, while a very important character in Norse mythology, one that does not have a lot of stories about him. But the the story that we tell most often is one of the most important in all of Norse mythology. But okay. First off, welcome to another segment of It's Norse, of course. We love It's Norse, of course. It's our new Yay. series talking all about the different gods and goddesses of Norse mythology. And so with our Odin episode, we discussed the creation story of Norse mythology and Ragnarok, the end of the world. And of course, Odin was an incredibly important part of both of these stories. But when we talk about the greater cosmology of Norse mythology, one of the most fundamental moments is focused on Baldur and more specifically, his death. Fascinating. Now, Julio, this is our second series, uh, annual year-long series, where we dive deep into the uh, the cosmology and mythology um, of one tradition. And uh, we did this, of course, last year with It's All Greek to Me. It gets funnier every time I say it. And something that would help me, I think, and maybe the listeners to remember each of these stories as we build on them, kind of episode over episode, is to assign like a Homeric epithet to each character. So for Odin, we talked about how he's beleaguered. He's got too much responsibility on his shoulders. He's a parentified child. And so you know how in the Odyssey, of course, it's like, you know, shining Odysseus, et cetera, et cetera. What do you think is the epithet we should assign retroactively to Odin? Because I want to think about what Baldur's would be throughout the course of this episode. So I do like Odin's like already assigned title, which is all father, because he yes. has to be the father of all. And that's a huge responsibility. But I also think hmm, I want to I want to pick something alliterative, I feel like. And now I got to mm. think about these because I already have Baldur's in my brain right now. Oh, OK. All right. For Odin's, I want to do. There's not a lot of O words. Yeah. Amanda, you've trapped me here. I've trapped myself. <laughs> Not old, right? No. The aspect of the character that stood out to me that I didn't realize before. Of course, he's the all-father. Of course, he's, you know, in charge of stuff. But he was also, like, thrust with seeing his own destiny before he was ready for mm -hmm. it. Maybe, like, overwhelmed Odin. <laughs> Maybe Ooh, that's the I answer. I like that. Odin the overwhelmed, I think, is kind of fun. Okay. All right. Let's, let's go with that. Odin the overwhelmed. And I'll see if the title I come to for Baldur matches yours. Okay. So, Amanda, before we talk about Baldur and his death, let's talk about the tragedy of who he is. So Baldur is a god associated with light, the summer sun, and all things beautiful. Oh, no. And you're telling me he dies? Oh, shit. So in art, he is often portrayed as having rays of light literally coming out of him. Oh, no. And he is said to be the most beautiful, the most fair, and the most just of the gods. I think Neil Gaiman actually summarized him best in his book, Norse Mythology, which is, Baldur's face shone like the sun. He was so beautiful that he illuminated any place he entered. He was the wisest, the mildest, the most eloquent of the Asir. He would pronounce judgment and all would be impressed by his wisdom and his fairness. His home, the hall called Bradelblick, was a place of joy and music and knowledge. Wow. This is a good lad. Amanda, this lad, he's good, in case you can get it. 
Julia ran into a couple technical difficulties as we were starting the episode. And I said, oh, Julia, are you getting into character? She goes, no, Baldur's perfect. No. And I'm like, oh, oh, shit. Oh, no. And now I see why. Baldur's the sweetest boy. And uh, you're going to see why everyone like goes out of their way to... Hey, we'll, we'll get there. We'll get there. I don't want to ruin it. <laughs> so Baldur's foundational story, he is plagued by these bad dreams, which we'll get to in a little bit later. And he's also associated with mistletoe, which is also what? something that we'll talk about. Oh, my God. Often has nightmares and loves to kiss just like me. <laughs> oh, I wish it was kissing. It's the reason why he was associated with mistletoe. We'll get there. We'll get there. Oh, no. So Baldur is the son of Odin and his wife Frigg or Frigga. And also in many sources, he has a brother named Hod or Hodder. So Hodder is a blind and very strong god and described as the opposite of his brother. He's the god of winter and of darkness, which makes him like seem evil. But that's not the case. Like that's not the kind of duality that exists in Norse mythology. Sure. And Hodder plays a really important part in the death of Baldur. But again, we'll, we'll get to that in the, the later half of this episode. So Baldur is married to the goddess Nana, and together they have a son who is the god of justice, and his name is Forseti. So Nana's name literally translates to mother of the brave, which again, great title. I love that for her. I don't love that it's like, oh, you're the mother of someone brave, but it's not a bad title. Could be a lot worse. You know what I mean? Yeah. I know this is also not the same spells are pronounced as like someone's Nana, but mm -hmm. I do like the agree of calling someone's Nana mother of the brave. I mean, it, it's like, depending on how you spell your grandma's name, if it's Nana, it could be spelled the same way. It's N-A-N-N-A. -N -N -A. Cool. So pretty close. Yeah. So not much else is really known about her other than her relationship with Baldur. The prose Edda links her as the daughter of the giant Oryotun Nep. And that's about all we get in terms of background for her. Sure. But their son, Forseti, is only mentioned twice in the Eddas, but in the poetic Edda, his hall is referred to as Glitnir, and it is described as a resplendent hall made of gold and silver. And from there, he dispenses justice and settles all disputes. I just want to propose for any uh, listeners who live in the north of Europe, go to a gay club, name it Glitnir, and call your group chat where you coordinate plans with your queer friends, Glitnir. Because a gold and silver hall where you dispense justice and settle disputes sounds absolutely incredible. And like, I want drag queens to preside over it. I would go to that bar in a heartbeat. It would just happen. I'd be there. I'm not a huge club person. I would go to Glitnir. Okay. So for Seti is actually really interesting because he basically becomes the divine equivalent and model for the human quote unquote law speaker. That's the translation of the word. I'm not great at Scandinavian, so I'm not going to try to pronounce it. Sure. But this is basically the ceremonial head of the Scandinavian legal assembly. Okay. Right? Yeah. So the law speaker often acted as a judge who decided the outcome of disputes according to the law. So this kind of makes Baldur's son for Seti a, a really important figure for humanity and the establishment of law in Norse tradition. Sure. So Baldur, despite, you know, having this one story, does really have kind of a lineage that is important not only to the mythology, but also the establishment of certain, quote unquote, like civilized life for humanity. Mm -hmm. So now that we have a little bit of that background, we are going to get into the meat of Baldur's story, which is, like I mentioned, mainly focused around his death, right? 
So there are some passing references to this story in the Poetic Edda, but primarily the story is in the Prose Edda, which tells a complete account of Baldur's death. There is also an additional or different version of the story in a text that's called the Saxo Grammaticus, which is named after its author, Saxo Grammaticus, who was a Danish historian and theologian. Again, you can tell, Julia, I've been catching up on Drag Race, but I would love my drag name to be Saxo Grammaticus. It's pretty cool. I'm not going to lie, pretty dope. Yeah, it's awesome. So he was also the author of the Gesta Danorum, which was basically the first full history of Denmark. Wow. This is also an extremely important text because it recounts the legend of Malith, which would also eventually inspire one of Shakespeare's most famous plays, Hamlet. What? That sad guy? Yeah, sad guy. His story. So early. No way. And tied kind of, not explicitly to the Balder story, but in the same author's oeuvre as uh, as Hamlet. Hell yeah. So basically, Saxo was trying to write the history of Denmark. And in doing so, he like included a bunch of foundational myths that included the story of Balder and his death. But let's talk about the first version of the story as told by the prose Edda. Okay? Cool. So Balder, this beautiful, sweet man full of light, God full of light, he had been having bad dreams, which he took to be a warning that his life was in danger. And gods take that kind of thing very seriously. So he went to the other gods and told them about these dreams. Okay, I'm feeling good about this, Julia. This is the opposite of a horror movie where you're like, "Mm, been receiving suspicious phone calls, just gonna ignore them. Maybe if I ignore it, it'll just go away. Team ignorant, it never works that way. No, Baldur's Baldur's doing what I would suggest. Okay. Exactly. So the gods gather together and again, they take these dreams very seriously. So they decide what needs to be done. So they agree in order to protect Baldur from danger, his mother Frigga would go to the fire, the water, iron, all other types of metals, stone, earth, trees, sicknesses, beasts, birds, poisons, and worms, and hold them to an oath that they would never harm Balder. Wow. I mean, good strategy. You're kind of covering all your bases there. And like a real mother's love situation. We kind of see something similar in Greek mythology with the story of Achilles and how Thetis, his mother, dipped him into the river Styx in order to make it so that he is invulnerable and won't die in battle like he was prophesied to be. Right? Except the heel. Yeah. Yeah. Except the heel because she had to dip him and couldn't get that heel. Couldn't re-dip him for some reason. I'm not sure why. <laughs> it's like during my uh, my conversion to Judaism, Julia, you have to uh, dip in the ritual bath three times and you have to like the bath is only, you know, four feet deep. Mm-hmm. I'm six feet tall. And so you have to like stand, but every part of your body needs to touch the water. And so you can't just kind of like crouch because mm-hmm. then the bottom of your pizzies also need to be off the ground. And I can't just kind of like plunge because then my butt might touch the ground and then my butt wouldn't be converted. And so I had to dip like five or six times because you have to kind of like go into a fetal position, but sideways in order to get every part of you. Anyway, just a little memory between me and the uh, ancient Russian Jew uh, who was running the mikvah. Amanda, what happens if your butt doesn't get converted? I, Julia, I don't. they don't let you convert. They like, no, do it again. <laughs> And I'm like, oh, my God. I'm sure that they're because I know that um, rabbis love talking about hypotheticals in Judaism. I'm sure. I'm sure that someone has done that. I'm someone sure. find me the writing about what happens if your butt is not converted. 
I just want to know. I know. I know it's in there, Julia. I know it's in there. So Frigga gets all of these oaths from all of the things in the world to confirm that they won't harm Balder. And happy with this outcome, the gods kind of like congratulate themselves for a job well done and decided to celebrate by, of course, throwing things at Balder. (laughs) Okay. This is where we start to disagree. Here, like, they just did this whole big task. It was like a real undertaking. And they're like, hey... What if we test it out by throwing all the things at you and seeing how it won't hurt you? I get that because, like, I see it. Yeah. I see it. If I, like, suddenly developed, like, invulnerability as a superpower, I would want my friends to throw things at me, too. It would be mad fun. It is. And I understand, too, that Balder must be worried. Like, he's freaked out enough to go to every, every god and be like, hey, I need your help with this. And so to prove to him that they've got his back, I, I get it. I understand. Yeah, exactly. And so the gods are having... A fucking grand old time throwing things at Balder. He even lets like Thor throw things as like hard as possible <laughs> at him because like Thor's the strongest among them. All right, that's really good. That's really this good. is great. What fun! It's all fine. Don't worry about it. Now, Amanda, our good friend Loki Uh-oh. is a part of this group of the gods Uh-oh. that are throwing things at Balder, and he becomes incredibly envious that nothing can hurt. Balder and that the gods went through all this trouble to make sure that Balder would be safe. And he's like, you know what? No one likes me that much that they would go through the trouble of doing all that. The golden boy over here gets to, you know, be basically invulnerable and never die. I really, I really picture Loki. Like, do you know the, the like baby Mario and like baby Peach in like Mario Kart? Mm -hmm. I picture Loki as like a little chibi baby in the back of like a kindergartner's birthday party being like, this many kids didn't come to my birthday (laughs) or I didn't get this many presents at my birthday party. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Loki does what Loki does best and Loki schemes, you know? Okay. So he transforms himself into a woman and he goes to visit Frigga, demanding an audience from her. Frigga, uh, to see if he is worthy, asks if the stranger knew what the gods did when they met. And Loki answers that they were able to attack Balder, cast stones and shoot him with arrows and he was not hurt. Okay. Now, Frigga, satisfied with that answer, because she's like, how could she possibly know that, is like, hey, You're right, actually. No weapon nor tree can hurt Balder. I have taken an oath of them all not to do so. And Loki, again, transformed as a woman, is like, oh, so all things have sworn to spare Balder, like literally everything. And Frigga admits, she's like, well, you know what? There is this one twig that grows outside of Valhalla, mistletoe. But I didn't get it to swear an oath because it seemed too young and too feeble to be any danger to our sweet boy Balder. I see. Mm-hmm. I see. <laughs> Well, Loki also sees and he's like, hmm, interesting. And so he leaps and he goes and he cuts that mistletoe, cuts a branch from it and goes back to where the gods have assembled, still tossing stuff at Balder for funsies because (laughs) it's like a multiple day affair, probably. Incredible. And so Loki goes and finds Hotter, which is Balder's brother, who we talked about earlier, who is standing by himself. And Loki is like, hey, bud, why aren't you partaking in all the merriment and the sport? And Hotter is like, well... I can't see him. And besides that, I don't have anything fun to throw at my brother. And Loki is like, oh, buddy, you should take part. You're like honoring your brother by doing this and like all of his greatness and how wonderful he is by throwing stuff at him and not hurting him. And so he's like, here, I have this shaft and I can direct your aim. Don't worry about it. You can have fun with the rest of us. And Hodder is like, okay, if you say so. Rude. And so Hodder takes the mistletoe. 
and with Loki directing him, aims at Balder and launches the branch. <sighs> and the shaft that Loki cut and Hodder threw pierces through Balder and he falls down dead. Ugh. And then, like, all of the gods, it, it's it's a real, like, cinematic moment. Because, like, all of the gods just, like, look at Baldur's body. They are silent. They are motionless. They are shocked and confused about what just happened. Because they had spent maybe literally days throwing stuff at him. And then all of a sudden, one person throws one thing. And now Baldur's dead. Like, not even Thor. Not even the strongest one. Not even Thor. And so they all look at each other. And they kind of, like, silently agree like, oh, we need to avenge Baldur's death. But they're also in a holy place at this moment. Like anytime all of the gods gather, that means it's like a holy place and a holy moment. And it is uh, consecrated in a way, you know? Mm. So the gods start mourning. They start keening. They start crying. They start wailing. Because Baldur truly was good and pure and the greatest among them. And it was said that even Odin specifically was the most upset because of his great knowledge, like we talked about, he knew what a loss Baldur was to the gods. So when, once again, they're able to find their words in their mourning, Frigga turns to the rest of the gods and says, which of you loves me best? And she says, I will give my love and my blessings to the one of you that will go to hell, which is the Hall of Hela, mm -hmm. who is basically the goddess of the afterlife. And I will ask you to find Balder and offer the goddess Hela a reward if she will allow Balder to return from the afterlife and come back to Asgard. Sure. So the one who stands up is another one of Odin's sons, which is uh, Hermod or Hermoder. And he is the messenger of the gods and thus the most nimble footed among them and says he will take up the task, right? Also, Julia, probably the hottest. Possibly, you know, just ripped from all that running and riding. So we talked about it. <laughs> so he takes Odin's horse, Sleipnir, which we've talked about before. And with Odin's blessing, goes to seek out Balder in hell. Again, this is also like, I feel like we talked about this before. This is not hell double L. This is hell single L. <laughs> mm -hmm. And not like a, a bad place, just a place that one goes when they die. Exactly. So while Hermod went to try to retrieve Baldur from hell, the rest of the gods take Baldur's body to the shore where his ship, which is Hringhorn, which is the largest and greatest ship in all the realms, was on shore, right? So they decided that they would use the ship as a funeral pyre for Baldur. But when they tried to launch it into the water, it would not move for them. Not even Odin, not even Thor. Wow. So they sent for the giant sorceress Hirokin, who was a Jotun, who arrived, this is one of the coolest descriptions of anyone ever, arrived riding a wolf with twisting serpents for the reins. Hot damn. Kind of hot, not going to lie. Extremely hot. Pretty sexy. So Hirokin, a incredibly magical sorceress, simply touches the hull of the ship and it moved, taking off with such a speed that fire sprang from the rollers they were using to move it into the water and the earth trembled with the force of it. Holy shit. And Thor standing there like, whoa. <laughs> oh, yeah. So Thor, the strongest of the gods, yeah, yeah, so enraged that this woman was able to do something that he could not, ah. that he like threatens to take his mighty hammer and crush Hirokin's skull in. But the rest of the gods convince him otherwise. They're like, no, 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 this is this is for Baldur. This is OK. Like, you know, we're doing this in the honor and the memory of Baldur. Hold your rage 
for now, you know? Hold it in, bud. Breathe through it. We got you. So the gods take the body of Balder and they place it on the ship. And when his wife, Nana, sees his body there, she in that moment dies of a broken heart. <laughs> oh, no. Classic. Classic. And the gods place her body besides Balder's on the funeral pyre. And it's it's a really sad and kind of beautiful moment of mourning. But of course... Amanda, just because a god dies does not mean that that's the end of things. So let's see how the rest of that story pans out just as soon as we get back from our refill. Oh, I'm on tenterhooks. Let's do it. Hello, sweet conspirators, and welcome to the refill. I am feeling so excited because uh, it was my birthday yesterday. And for five years now, you have been wishing me a happy birthday as you listen through to the back catalog of Spirit. So you don't have to wish me a happy birthday today. But I did want to tell you that I got myself a birthday gift of a cartilage piercing, which I have been wanting to do. Those are the piercings at like the top of your ears, not in your ear lobe, but at the top. Ever since I was a little kid and I must have seen some kind of formative piece of media that involves an elf who had like a, a silver ring cartilage piercing. I have just thought it was the coolest thing in the entire world. I got one when I turned 18. I got another one when I was 25 and celebrating a, a milestone professional achievement. And now I got another too, actually, because if my ear is going to take, you know, eight to 12 months to heal fully, I might as well get both done at once. And I feel fabulous about it. It makes me feel so great and cool and nice and good in my body. And so I wanted to recommend this week uh, in an uncharacteristically long recommendation here at the beginning of the refill that if you've been waiting for permission or encouragement to do the thing that'll make you feel good and stylish and cool in your body, whether that's a tattoo or a piercing or something less permanent like a, a hair dyeing or a haircut or, you know, changing up your style or trying something a little bit new, you have a friend in me and I encourage you to do so. So happy birthday to me. Happy Wednesday to you and go for it. Okay. Thank you and welcome to our newest patrons, Kate and Vorpal. So nice of you to join the Patreon for my birthday. Flips hair. My hair is too short. Flips uh, new earrings. Thank you as well to our supporting producer level patrons, Alicia, Anne, Brittany, Fruity Chick, Hannah, Jack Marie, Jane, Nieselkins, Lily, Megan Moon, Nathan, Phil Fresh, Rico Like, Captain Jonathan, Malachi, Cosmos, Sarah, Scott, and Zazi. And our legend level patrons, Ariana, Audra, Bex, Chibi Yokai, Clara, Ginger Spurs Boy, Morgan, Sarah, Schmitty, and BMEF Scotty. You can join these distinguished ranks and enjoy the many, many, many bonus content, episodes, recipe cards, show notes, everything we've prepared for you over the last seven plus years at patreon.com slash spirits podcast. It has also been a very exciting week here at Multitude because you asked and we listened and Multitude merch is finally here. If you enjoy the Multitude logo, which was inspired by the 90s styrofoam cup with the swoosh on it. Uh, yes, you may have put that together. You may have not, but it totally was inspired by that. We have made black t-shirts and black crew neck sweatshirts with that very logo. We are so stoked. It looks so beautiful. Zoe Polanda Ryder did an outstanding job designing it. And I want you to wear it out in the world and then tag us at Multitude Shows and show us how good you look. So go to multitude.productions slash merch and pick up your very first fine piece of Multitude logo merchandise. And by the way, if you're a member of the Multicrew, our membership program, you can get 10% off, okay, at the $10 tier. So multicrew.club for that. 
We are sponsored this week by a very exciting sponsor who I love, Queer Candle Company. This is a wonderful, wonderful small business that makes small batch soy wax candles. They're a queer and trans-owned business, and their candles are topped with a variety of amazing botanicals, including pressed flowers, dried herbs, and zested aromatics. We all got samples. They are so lovely. I often find myself sneezing at the like chemically and artificial scent of like your, you know, major like big box candle company or like those uh, air fresheners that people have in taxis sometimes. But these are so amazing. And the soy wax means that I am not coughing up a storm as I light my beautiful candles. They also, by the way, sell DIY refill kits online. So any candle they make is endlessly refillable, which is absolutely incredible. You can use the code SPIRITS at checkout at QueerCandleCo.com to get 10% off your first order. Trust me, you are going to want to follow them. Check them out on Insta and TikTok as well at QueerCandleCo. One more time, that's QueerCandleCo.com. Code SPIRITS gets you 10% off your first order. Seriously, check them out. They're so cool. And finally, this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. I have definitely benefited from therapy and continue to on a weekly basis because when I learn new things about myself, I am better able to just like learn and grow and enjoy my life and do things that are new to me. It's felt like, especially, you know, because I had a birthday yesterday and I am thinking all about my life and my year and my goals and what's next for me, learning more about me and how I operate and how I can improve my self-awareness and self-understanding is a huge priority for for me. And the older I get, the more I realize how complex every person is, myself included. And I am really grateful that I get to use therapy as a tool to make sure that I am always trying to learn and grow and be better and enjoy my life more. And that ultimately is what therapy has been all about for me is not just, you know, unpacking traumas and working through, you know, a difficult thing going on in my life with a trained professional. Absolutely. But also learning how to just get more out of my life and just enjoy. And I am really grateful that when I couldn't find a therapist near me that was affordable and taking new patients, even here in huge New York City, I was able to use BetterHelp to bridge that gap. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Discover your potential with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com spirits today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com spirits. And now let's get back to the show. So Amanda, back from our refill. And since Balder, our sweet boy Balder, is the god of uh, summer sunshine and light and all things good in the world, naturally I picked something called the sunshine cocktail for this episode. And it is white rum, pineapple juice, and French vermouth, which uh, might not seem like a good winter cocktail, but sometimes you just need like a little bit of brightness in the middle of cold times of the year. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I, you know, I didn't drink a lot of eggnog growing up and certainly don't as a Tumsy adult. Um, but something about white rum does work with winter flavors, I think. I think so. But I, I just like the brightness of pineapple. It really does kind of feel like sunshine to me. So I'm very happy with this cocktail in its representation of Balder. 100%. So we return to Balder's story at his funeral. All kinds of people come to the funeral of Balder. Odin, of course, and his ravens and his wife Frigga. The god Frey arrives in his chariot drawn by a boar. Heimdall on the horse Goldtop, which is one of my favorite names for a horse ever. Wow. And then Freya, of course, arrives on her cart driven by cats. 
So the forest giants show up, the mountain giants come to honor Balder. Thor, in his grief and rage, is the one who consecrates the pyre with his hammer Mjolnir. And Thor also being just an angry and pissed off man when a dwarven man named Littir passes in front of him during that ceremony, he just throws him into the fire. No! Thor didn't do that! Nope, yep. Thor, what the hell? Thor is just real mad. He's still mad that, like, a lady showed him up, too, so... Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a whole thing. So each god, each person there honored Balder in their own way, and then finally Odin approached, and he laid down a gold ring that is named uh, Dropnir, which for every nine nights, it would produce eight rings of equal weight and worth. And Amanda, the more I read Norse mythology stuff, the more I'm like... J.R.R. Tolkien, you just stole that straight up. <laughs> what the fuck, man? Really? Yeah, that, you'll sense a fair takeaway. It's, it's all there, man. It's all there. So while the gods are mourning, Hermod traveled for nine days and nine nights through the deep and dark valleys towards hell to retrieve Baldur. As he was traveling, he came across a deep river with a golden bridge that he had to cross. However, the bridge was tended to by a maiden named Madgadur. Ooh, great name. In order for him to cross, she asks his name and who his family is. And when he told her, she informed him that the day before there had been five bands of dead men who had passed over her bridge. But none of them made the bridge ring out like Hermod did. And that Hermod did not look dead like they did. So what was a living god doing riding towards hell? Fair. Fair question. Yeah, a great question, especially as someone who, like, is literally tending to a bridge between the lands of the living and the dead. Like, obviously, you want to be like, hey, what you doing here? You're not dead. Yeah. So Hermod tells her that he is going this way to retrieve Balder and asks if she had seen him pass over the bridge as well. And see, and of course she says, yes, she had seen Balder cross over the bridge and then gives him directions to safely arrive at hell because his quest is good and noble. And obviously, like, everyone loves Balder. Everyone in the world, Amanda, loves Balder. No. I mean, I'm sure that's why it's a good story that he died, but no. <laughs> so Hermod arrives at the entrance of hell, and he finds it is guarded by a great. But Hermod, he's a messenger god, Amanda. He just kind of, like, winds his horse back, winds sleep near back, and just goes, gallop, buddy, and then jumps over that great leading into hell. Nice. Love it. So he's really used to passing over obstacles. This is nothing for him. And we also love the idea of the psychopomp, you know, the messenger god who can travel easily between the lands of the living and the dead. And this falls in once again into Hermod's territory here. And the horsey who can do the same. Oh, I love that horsey. That eight-legged horse. We love that horsey. Oh, yeah. So he rides into the hall, and once he arrives there, he dismounts and enters. And right away, he sees his brother Balder seated at the place of honor in the hall of hell. Reassured that he's there and safe and, you know, his journey has almost come to an end. And also because he had traveled so hard to get to hell, he rests for the night. And in the morning, he goes before the goddess Hela, whose hall this was, and begs her to let Balder ride home, explaining the sorrow and the grief that the rest of the gods were experiencing because of his death. And Hela, much like most afterlife gods like to do, Hela decides that she would test just how loved Balder was and says to Hermod, if all things weep for him, then he shall return to the gods. But if any speak against him or refuse to weep, then he shall remain in hell. Wow, it's a high bar to cross, but it is a big ask, so I'm, I'm not judging. 
And I mean, you know, if the whole point that Hermod is making is like, give these allowances for Balder, he is universally loved. She's like, well, if he's universally loved, this won't be a challenge. You know what I mean? No, I get it. So Hermod agrees and he rises to leave the hall, but not before meeting with Balder, who gives him back the ring drop near that Odin had left on his funeral pyre because he wanted to return it to the Allfather as a favor. You know? Oh, Balder, always thinking of other people. I know, right? He's so nice. He's so sweet. And then Hermod basically leaves and returns to Asgard. He tells all of the gods there what he had seen and heard and Hela's test. So the gods, in response to the challenge, send messengers all over the realms to ask all things to mourn Balder. All the men, all the living things, the earth, the stones, the trees, the metals, all wept for the god of light. You know? Better include the mistletoe this time, guys. Mistletoe also weeps. Don't underestimate any little plant. That mistletoe feels bad about what happened. As it should. So the messengers all begin to return, telling the gods that they have done their errand well. But as one returns, he comes across the cave of this hag named Thotkta. Now, they, like they did for everyone else, ask her to weep for Balder so that he may return from hell. But the hag responds, I will weep dry tears over Balder's pyre. What gain I by the son of man, be he live or dead? Let Hela hold what she has. A classic hag. Classic hag. However, Amanda, not only is this a classic hag, but it's also Loki in disguise. No! <laughs> oh, oh, Loki. Because obviously Loki was the one who devised Baldur's death in the first place. He didn't want yeah. him coming back after he did all this work to kill him in the first place, you know? Yeah, and like prove to people that Baldur really is the golden boy, the only exception. I don't think so. And so because Loki refused to weep, Balder remained in hell. However, the gods came to realize that this was, in fact, Loki in disguise. And so they seized him and locked him away in a deep cavern. I mean, you have to appreciate Loki's commitment to the bit, right? And like, you know, seeing through the plan he put in motion. Yeah. But damn. You know what? He He's a very vindictive person, Loki. And, you know, a lot of it comes to do with just how the other gods kind of treat him in a lot of ways. And I, yeah. while I don't condone his actions, I don't blame him necessarily. It's it's a complicated, Loki's a complicated character, you know? Yes. So this is not the end of Baldur, however. Uh, as we talked about with Ragnarok, it is said that when Ragnarok happens and after the world has gone through that period of darkness where all the gods are killed, Baldur will emerge from hell, reunite with his brother Hodder, and together with the sons of Thor, they will reign peacefully over the new world. Sounds nice. It does sound nice. So as I mentioned, however, this is not the only version of the story of Baldur. There's also that variation from Saxo Grammaticus. And the Grammaticus version of the story really humanizes Baldur in the way that the Greek gods were humanized, rather than in the way that maybe makes us like Baldur more. Mm. So he's really not the like kind of pure and perfect noble god that he is in Norse mythology, but rather a very flawed human. All right, let's hear it. So in this story, Baldur is a demigod who was in love with the human princess, Nana. Again, we're using the same names here, Mm -hmm. who is the daughter to the king of Norway. So Nana was also being pursued romantically by a hero named Hathorus. However, Baldur, being a demigod, has the favor of Odin and Thor, as well as the support of a group of women who modern scholars kind of equate to the Valkyrie. Cool. 
So these women would cook Balder a special food that would make him invincible, and so that he could not be slain by any weapon made by mortal hands. Sure, sure. So Hathorus comes to these women and asks for their help as well, and they agree to give him basically a magic belt that will bring him victory in battle. But then when he asks them for advice on how to kill Balder, his rival in love, they're like, no, <laughs> he's our boy too. Step too far. We can help you not get killed. We're not going to help you do the killing. Exactly, exactly. So the two go to battle against each other, and Hothorus is able to defeat Balder by cutting off the handle of Thor's hammer, which is a big deal. Wow. Now Balder retreats, there's some time passes, and then they go to battle again, and Balder this time is able to defeat Hothorus, though he does not kill him, which, you know, we're still a good pure boy at this point. Now victorious, he goes to ask for Nana's hand. She rejects him, saying that she does not want to marry a demigod and instead marries the mortal Hothorus. Okay, then what was all the feuding for? You know, Amanda, sometimes women don't get agency in these stories. And then finally someone asks, oh, hey, do you want to marry me? <laughs> After they haven't been doing that, they're just like, I love her. No, I love her. And don't ask her opinion on things. You know, Julia, that's fair. That's an oversight on my end. Yes, it's all right. It's all right. It happens, Amanda. We forget sometimes that women don't have agency in these stories. It ha you know, it, it happens. It happens. 325 stories in. It, it happens. So Balder is left lovesick and depressed at this rejection to the point where he cannot walk and must be pulled around in a wagon. Relatable, Balder. <laughs> However, even in his weakened state, he kind of like, he just basically does that rom-com thing where he attempts to break the couple up because he's like, <laughs> I'm, I'm worthy of her. They shouldn't be together. And this frustrates Hathorus so much that he seeks out a way to kill him so that they can finally be happy in his marriage. You know? Yeah, of course, because eliminating your romantic rivals is the only way to fix your marriage. Only way. So he discovers that Balder can only be slain by a magic sword called... Man, do you want to guess what the magic sword is called? I mean, is it called, like the littlest, weakest weed. Well, Amanda, kind of. It's called mistletoe. The sword's Yay! called mistletoe. A real reference to the original story, but with a twist. Yay. <laughs> so mistletoe is guarded by a troll, sometimes translated as a satyr, in the underworld. So Hathorus makes a long, dangerous journey into the underworld, defeats the guardian, and returns to the mortal realm with this new weapon. And so once again, Balder meets Hothorus in combat, and this time Hothorus wounds him with the sword, which results in Balder dying three days later. Okay. Balder is given a royal funeral, and his body is interred in a great mountain, and Odin, mourning for Balder, pledges to avenge his son's death and is told by a great sorceress that he will get his revenge if he fathers a son with this princess named Rinda. And there's like a whole like side quest where he's like, I need to seduce this woman. And he does a real like Zeus uh, shenanigans situation where like, Odin, sure. please stop. Don't do that. But eventually she gives birth to a hero named Boas who kills Hothris and thus avenges Balder for Odin. It's a really long, it's a really slow burn of revenge here. I'm sure that took like 25 years. Exactly. He had to be old enough to kill a man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Unless he was a child slayer, which, you know, is a whole other story. Could have been. Could have been like 14. He's like, hey. <laughs> <laughs> uh, personally, and this is just a personal preference, I really like the original story from the prose edit better. I also wanted to point out here at the end that there are a lot of modern folklorists who make like comparisons between Balder and Jesus to the point where I wanted to at least mention it because it's a very common like comparison. 
basically this idea of a, a dying and then rising God bringing about a time of peace. But I also think that this might be a problem of kind of looking back through a modern lens. It's it's more than likely that Norse mythology as a pre-Christian religion saw adaptation in order to convert believers to Christianity when it eventually arrived in Germanic lands. It's a real classic, lol, it's not pagan, it's fine situation. Yeah. As well as the idea that this trope of the dying and rising God was a mythological trope that existed well before Christianity. Yeah. No, it, it totally is. And even though there is death and rebirth, the whole cycle of Ragnarok and the idea that everything does have to die before, you know, kind of true peace can be found is very unchristian because coming back is not the point. <laughs> yes, exactly. But the like second coming of Jesus is also like a very like late Christianity thing as well. And I think we're misplacing our timing here in terms of the the mythological timeline. And that's fine. I mean, like Zoroastrianism also has like a human god son who dies and then returns back to the world to bring peace. Um, I think there's also a very similar story in Hinduism as well. So it's not just Christianity. It's just that most scholars are Christian. And so they're like, that's just like Jesus. Yeah. Christianity is a product of all of the things that came before it, just like every other piece of mythology and, and kind of world building. Exactly. So in terms of stories that feature Baldur in our modern pop culture, as you pointed out, Amanda, Baldur's Gate is a thing, mm -hmm. despite the fact that Baldur never actually appears in the games himself. Yeah. What's what's the gate? Do you know? I've never played those games. They oh, okay. came out in 1998 and 2000. And so I <laughs> kind of missed those in terms all of right, my, right. my playability. Fair. He is notably absent from the Marvel Cinematic Universe, though he does make some appearances in the Marvel comics. However, like not to the extent of characters like Loki, Odin, and Thor, right? He, like Odin, and we discussed that in the Odin episode, makes an appearance in the God of War games. Amanda, did you like the show Justified? Was that one of your shows? Yes. I, I didn't get all the way in, but I watched the first couple seasons, and I'm just a true fan of the Timothy Oliphant oeuvre. Well, the guy who plays... Balder in the God of War games is the same guy who played Dicky in season two. Oh, very nice. Yeah, I see it. I see it. Yeah. So yeah, Balder is in the God of War games as well, but he is kind of a less perfect God of Light boy and more just like a dude who's a little bit more rough and tumble like the rest of the gods. So yeah. uh, don't play those games expecting to see like <laughs> Norse Jesus there. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, listen, the kinds of games I enjoy involve no conflict, and that's not a game. Uh, that's simply a story. Yep. And barely even a story. It's just kind of like a monologue. So uh, fair enough. So that is all I have for It's Norse, of course, Baldur edition. You know, while he has that one very specific story, as we learn more about the gods, and in particular, like Ragnarok and the cycle of Norse mythology, I think we'll see just how important this specific story is to the larger Norse mythological world. So Thank you, Balder, for your sacrifice, question mark. <laughs> your unwilling, <laughs> unconsensual death. Unwilling sacrifice. Sorry they did that to you. <laughs> so, Julia, what name did you have in mind for Balder? I don't think any any really is coming up for me. Like, he's not particularly bold. He's not particularly brave. I I'm trying to think of some B words that fit. And I'm kind of coming up short. For me, Amanda, he's just Balder the Bright. Oh, Balder the Bright. Of Balder course he is. It's Norse, of course. It's Norse, of course. Balder the Bright. 
Amazing. Well, I'm excited to see these through lines uh, throughout the rest of our series. Um, but Julia, if uh, if folks find themselves looking down the barrel of a twig of mistletoe, what should they do? They should stay creepy. Stay cool. Spirits was created by Amanda McLaughlin, Julia Shafini, and Eric Schneider, with music by Kevin McLeod and visual design by Allison Wakeman. Keep up with all things creepy and cool by following us at Spirits Podcast on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Tumblr. We also have all of our episode transcripts, guest appearances, and merch on our website, as well as a form to send us in your urban legends and your advice from folklore questions at spiritspodcast.com. Join our member community on Patreon, patreon.com slash spiritspodcast, for all kinds of behind-the-scenes goodies. Just a dollar gets you access to audio extras with so much more, like recipe cards, both alcoholic and non-alcoholic, for every single episode, director's commentaries, real physical gifts, and more. We are a founding member of Multitude, an independent podcast collective and production studio. If you like spirits, you will love the other shows that live on our website at multitude.productions. Above all else, if you liked what you heard today, please text one friend about us. That's the very best way to help keep us growing. Thanks for listening to Spirits. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.